Hi, I'm Patrick. And I'm Sam. Welcome to Sloppy and Unforeseen, a podcast for worship leaders that aims to encourage conversation among peers. From the silly to the serious, we want to help you see both sides of the conversation and work to bring the church together. Whether you're team sloppy or team unforeseen, there are no right answers here. Just a desire to have dialogue between all traditions of worship. Welcome to the podcast. This is part two of our two-part interview. So if you have not listened to part one, you want to pause here, go back and listen to part one. Otherwise, you might be a little bit lost jumping into the middle of this conversation. So without further ado, here's part two. It rhymed. So I wanted to bring it back to consoles. Uh, You guys both mentioned you're both using M32 mixers. Correct. So... Um I we use M32. I don't know. Sam, are you using M32? Yes, sir. Yeah. So your M32 brothers. Uh We so, did we did get an X32 for our newer campus. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Cuz they're not it was they're a, not as good. You don't It was a better price. <laughs> it was a better price point and uh for the size of that room that was Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean the X32 the X32 is a, is a great budget console. Um, for sure. Yep. So, I mean, I have my, uh, yeah, I, I could go on a rant about Behringer. I don't, I, I don't hate Behringer. Let me say that's all I'll say. But, um, but so I guess my, I have a couple of questions, a multi-part question, but was that console in place when you got to your position? And if so, you know, how long has it been there and what is your plan? Cause the M32 is not a new console. You know, it's been right. around for a bit. So what is your plan? um for replacement like time you know have you discussed timeline where would you go and or if not like how will you know when it's time to move on hmm. does that make sense yeah so, is that a question for me it will i i think if we could all talk about it like what's our experience because i think the console is i mean it's a big ticket item for almost mm-hmm. every church um i mean pretty much churches are, are going digital now <laughs> if you're replacing an old analog console you want to go digital um, you know, so now this is kind of the question where you're, you're ha- using a digital console. What does that look like? You know, when did you get there and what is the the lifespan, you know, the expectancy? Cause it's, there's some cool stuff coming out for new digital consoles, but mm. do we need to, you know, do we need to jump out and, and get the newest console or, or if not, what do we need to look for? What would you guys right. look for as far as upgrading your board? When I got hired at the church I'm at now, we had an analog board and it's an old school, I don't even remember what brand it was, but it's analog full. And I think it had, I think it had 16 channels. Okay. And so it worked for what they were doing because they just had traditional services. They didn't have anything past that. They hired me to come in for the next step. We got the Midas M32 at the beginning of 2020. We had just, you know, we had decided we're building a building. We had started pay. We actually locked in the contract, all the prices uh, before um, the pandemic. And so we had just ordered it because for us, that was for this church, that was like the most futuristic thing that they've ever seen in their life. Mm -hmm. Uh, What's cool is once you get to something that is I would say that expensive or really it doesn't even have to be expensive when you get to like a newer console and you make a jump from something so old to something so new, it's going to last you a while. Really. I don't see that being 
something that needs upgraded for a while because its capabilities are so great as is like they, I feel like when they built like the Behringer X 32 and the M 32, they built it for longevity so that Mm -hmm. even when they come out with something new, you won't feel like you have to get something new. Um, so for us, we've only had it for three years. And the only thing that I would probably do is I think you can get an extension board for it. You know what I'm talking about? Like you can add some extra channels to it or something. Uh, they have something called a M32R, I think, that works in conjunction. I don't know a ton about it, but that would be the only thing I could see us doing. Yeah, I think the M32R is a rack mount. Oh, right, right. You're right. But you You're maybe, right. I don't, I believe you can link them and expand your. But I, I, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Um, I thought they made like a smaller version that you could add on to it because some people use it if you need more channels, or some people use it if you want to send a separate mix for like of the all the same channels for the yeah right. Yeah. I believe that's um, the M32R. No, you just said R. I did say that. Yeah, yeah it's a rack mount. Typically, I think their Ultranet system will allow you to send a um a mix. Is my speculation, but I don't have a ton of experience with the. Right. Behringer Midas uh, mainframe, but I think they're alternate technology. Someone listening to this who does this is probably screaming at us saying, I know what to probably. do. Probably. Yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it'll let you it'll let you basically send that mix to another console for a separate, I, whether that's for in-ear mixing or live stream mix. Or, so, I mean, there's, I do like their alternate. Um, yeah, it's great. Mainframe, whatever you want to call it. When you bring up a good, uh, kind of a good thought there is, if you're somebody who's looking to invest in a new console, it's important to look and see not just what that console can do, but what the company designs it to be able to work with. Mm-hmm. So something like an, a Midas M32 is going to have other things or the Behringer or whatever. It's going to have other things that it can work with seamlessly. And other boards, some of the newer ones are coming out with, they do tons of stuff. Right. Whereas, you know, depending on what you're getting, it may have limited capabilities as it only works by itself. So always look for what it plays well with. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you're talking about like the ease of use. So if you're going to an in-ear system, like using the, 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 um, the P16. Yes. Yeah. They're the intermix, uh, thing. Um, we use those. Yeah. Sam, you use those, right? Yeah. We use the P16. Cause I saw them at your church when I had came and played, you were using them. And then uh, when we built our church, the, AVL company said, Hey, do you want these? And I was like, well, Sam had them and they seemed really convenient because we had a Frankenstein system that I had built (laughs) and they have been like incredible and I'm not sponsored or anything. It's just, that's one of those things where it's like ease of use. These things work together with almost no effort and it's amazing. Yeah. One of the, actually, I'm sorry, Patrick. Uh, One of the benefits that we've seen from having the M32 or, or X32 um, is we've actually hosted some concerts. Um, mm-hmm. We hosted a, uh, I Am They last year and then Sanctus Real the year before that. And a lot of times they'll bring their own board. And the writer says, you know, you have to have this this make and this model and, and everything. And we didn't have that, that next model up. Um, but when they came in, they actually had the X32 uh, board. Mm. So they were able to just run a, a cable to ours and hook up into our PA system and, and just cool. do their own, you know, in-ear mixing from their board, but it would communicate with ours. And every time wow. it, it was, it was IMA, it was Sanctus Real. And then most recently uh, we hosted the uh, True Girl uh, event 
at our church and they also had the um m32r live um that's the that's not the rack mounted one that's the uh mm. the miniature one yeah oh, okay yep that's cool man so yeah that's, i mean it's, cool it's worked function. out well it's not as you know as expensive as the you know ten or twenty thousand uh, dollar digico or or whatever other brand but you know our church is not at that level you know if you're listening right. to this and and your church is at that level great more power to you um you probably have a lot more need for for that big of a system um but for for our context for our church for the size that we have and the the variety of events that we have like we have a, a youth uh wednesday night youth you know and we have our own setting for that we have a sunday morning blended gathering with just three instruments and four vocalists as opposed to our contemporary gathering which has you know six instruments and four vocalists and and everything right and before that before i came they had the analog board kind of like tj was saying and uh and it was just you know a mess so this it worked and it did what it right, what it needed right. to but yeah yeah and there's definitely yeah, a we learning right. curve like we we went through an integrator and they offered training as a part of the price of, of the purchase so i'd really highly recommend that right see we're coming back to training your people how to get the most mileage out of your gears training your absolutely people on, right? so but so both of you are newer to the digital board landscape went with the m32 so why the m32 over the x32 because i i know the reasons i would but i'm curious to hear what yours were you oh yeah uh so for me at least i think it was one of those things where i think the x32 is older mm-hmm. um the m32 part of it was that well it's newer and so maybe it'll have more longevity now i'm seeing that really it's more about the functionality um i liked the upgraded equipment that was in it as i was mm-hmm. doing research about what kind of board i would want to go with everyone spoke really highly about the preamps mm-hmm. um about some of the ease of signal routing it was almost like they took some of the customer feedback from the x32s and said here's some things that we think would make it better Right. Then they made the M32 and that's kind of the reason why we invested in it. Cause I thought the importance is getting the best quality sound as early in the signal chain as you can. Mm-hmm. And so if you have the nicest microphones, but then your preamps aren't great in your board or they're less than it won't matter how many plugins or effects or whatever you do, it won't matter. Sure. And so the preamps are important. And that's one of the selling points to me was the preamps in the M32. Mm-hmm. How about you, Sam? Uh, pretty much the same thing. Um, you know, I, because we went through the integrator, we came to them with our budget and said, hey, this is as high as we can go. And they, and they said, okay, based on that, this is what we recommend. Right. And I just, I trusted them because they're the pros. Um, and they included the training. And I had a couple of guys that were my audio guys, uh, volunteers. And they, they were cool with it. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, those, those exact reasons I would pick the M30. If I was, if I, if those are my choices right now, X32 over M32 and budget allowed, I would get the M32 11 out of 10 times um, for all those same (laughs) reasons. And 
Yeah, I mean, um, TJ, you brought up the longevity because I think that's a, a big factor of um, if you're upgrading a console because I think most churches don't want to upgrade their their console every five years. I know some of the big churches do, um, and they have their reasons, I'm sure. But um, you know, if you're going in and buying a 15 year old console, i.e., the X32, I think it's roughly 15 years old. You know, today. Um, what you're running the risk of is how long is Behringer going to support that console? And from what I've heard, I heard a rumor that it is actually no longer supported. Somebody who has a, has an X32, you know, shoot us an email or a DM and, and let us know. But I believe that was the case. I don't know that the M32 followed suit or will follow suit shortly. Um, but I think that's a, a great point, TJ, of, of knowing, you know, how long has this been in service and how long does the manufacturer typically support their their products i think that's a great question to ask because yeah if you're going to drop the m32 is certainly on the lower cost range for full digital mixers but it's still still a chunk of change for most churches so if you're going to buy it and it's you know no longer supported 18 months later well did you really make the best investment for your church or should you have gone with a newer console that's going to have support for the next 10, 15, 20 years? So I think that's yeah, a, for sure. that's a key thing. Um, so TJ, you, you mentioned you had a 16 channel analog and basically the way the church was going, you needed more inputs. Sounds like, is that accurate? Yeah, we needed more inputs for sure. I mean, based on, the type of service that I w- had been designing and the type of ministry we were wanting to do. Uh, I think the other thing was, I don't want to say that we should conform to what the world is doing, but sort of the industry standard is to be able to have certain effects on your channel, certain mm-hmm. amounts of compression that some of those analog boards just don't do well or don't give you enough control over things like that, I, I would say. And so with that analog board, we had bought a couple of rack mounted compressors and ran everything through there. And that worked for a while, but I was trying to explain to them that every time you would want an effect for these different channels, we're going to have to have physical ones for each of the channels. There's some things you could get away with, um, you know, putting on a bus or something, but I think that was another reason why I was like, okay, we got these channels, but it's going to get more expensive in the long run to try to do what we're trying to do with this analog board and this system that we have set up. And this board will do all of that for less than what it'll cost us to do it with the analog stuff. Sure. So you you mentioned the the timing for getting the M32. Um, Were you live streaming prior to COVID? We weren't live streaming regularly. Okay. But we did have the capability. um, We were meeting at the middle school. There were times we would have snow days. And so we couldn't go to the school to have church service. And so because they wouldn't plow because nobody was there for school. So then we would stream from either our downtown campus or online. So we had a live stream set up already for as a contingency. Okay. Then when it, you know the pandemic hit, we already were ready to go. It was seamless for us to go online. Yeah. And I imagine having a a digital console at that point certainly made that easier. Actually, we didn't have it yet. We didn't, we had ordered the, the digital console. I think, 
in February of 2020 before we knew all that stuff was going to happen happen and then it came in as we were trying to scramble to go online and so as we were online we slowly <laughs> swapped out they saw oh wow these things are actually useful and we started swapping out equipment as it came in for different gotcha. things i mean when we started streaming we were using a laptop with obs uh, we were, I was, we didn't have like a switcher or anything. And so we had kind of one camera and we had our computer with the slides and I had built this USB controller. I had built it. It's an actual arcade controller with a joystick and everything I built for my retro pie. And we just plugged that in and I mapped it to OBS and my people were back there with an arcade controller switching stuff for OBS. Nice. It was insane. Nice. <laughs> Very nice. All right. So, um, TJ, I'm guessing you have a plan in place, maybe just floating around in the back of your brain somewhere. Obviously, it's a newer console for you, so you're not looking at, hey, we're going to get one next year. But what things would you be looking for to say, hey, it's time to upgrade? And what steps would you take? You kind of mentioned one already of expanding. If you need more channels, find a way to expand the console. But you know, how do you, again, how do you get the most mileage out of that console? before you're like yeah we just gotta we gotta jump up to digico now like there's because there's a big leap between those systems and there are certainly a few consoles by other manufacturers in between but have you given some thought to that or am i putting you on the spot or um i've definitely i'm always giving thought to um how can i improve what it is that we're doing one of my i don't i don't know if it's a, i don't think it's a downfall uh it's definitely a quirk but one of my quirks is i don't want to underutilize any of my equipment and so I think it's important when you get something to use it to its max capacity. Um, know, like I talked before, like read your manuals, know what your stuff can do. And so that's probably one of my quirks that puts me in a weird position is because we got the M32 and you would think, oh, going from a 16 channel analog to a 32 channel digital, you have plenty of time. I'm already maxing it out. Like I've already got a lot of the channels being used, almost every channel being used There's a couple of rerouting things. And so I have to be thinking about that because if they come to me and say, hey, we want to do this next extra thing, or if I have some more instrumentalists or some more singers that come along and I'm like, now we need more you know, channels for X, Y, Z, whatever, I have to be considering that. So that's a great question. Probably something I should be thinking about. Um, I have people... I've got a really good friend. Uh, his name's Mike and he plays drums in our band sometimes. And he tells me uh, about, because he runs some of the sound at another church sometimes. And so with that, he meets a lot of these traveling musicians that come through there. So I, I listen to what other people are talking about or what they're saying. And I look at the capabilities. And for me, there has to be probably, there has to be a significant uh, difference in, I'm not somebody who will upgrade just for the sake of upgrading, which I'm not saying there's anything wrong with doing that. If you got the budget or you have the knowledge and the know-how by all means. But for me, I have to get to a point where the Venn diagram of what this new piece does and what my piece does has to only intersect a little bit before I'm ready to notch up to the next thing. Gotcha. I want to stretch it as far as it'll go. Nice. All right. I don't know if that answers your question, but that was what was in my brain. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I know from my experience, um, we we're at the same. We went from a 16 channel Presonus, um, which had a lot of, you know, it was 
the early edition PreSonus console, but had a lot of the modern effects, you know, going from an old, a Mackie to a PreSonus to now we actually went with the Allen and Heath SQ6. Mm. Um, again, got on that right as it was coming out. Um, and yeah, you think, okay, going from 16 to 40 channels, like we'll never max this thing out. Right. And, um, <laughs> you know, uh, we came pretty close now to be fair, the way our church was set up or is set up, we kind of have a lot of static positions that aren't always used. So we weren't maxing out 40 channels every single week. Um, we just had kind of, I think we had 38 of the 40 channels kind of positioned for something. Um, Cause mm. we, you know, we're fixed building. We didn't have to set up and tear down anything. So it was kind of, you know, right basically for any type of service you were walking into, it was like, okay, we just got to unmute this group of channels or load this scene type of thing. So it was, it was a luxury to have that many channels, but yeah, kind of the yeah. same thing. We wanted to add room mics once people came back in the room for a live stream and I had to think, do I have channels to add room mics? Yeah. Um, and I found them, you know, and, and we made it work. Um, but yeah, it's easy to, I think it's easy to kind of max out when you're like, Hey, look at all the stuff I can do now. Let me start doing some of this stuff. And right. all of a sudden, bam, you're like, well, I'm, I'm up against a wall again. And let's go back to your church and be like, Hey, remember when I said, you know, we were more than doubling our channels. Well, what do we, maybe we should have gotten 64. Um, right. So I think that's definitely a thing to be mindful of is. Um, Did you say you, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Did you say you guys went with an Allen and Heath board? Yeah. Yep. Hmm. Yeah. The SQC. I like those a lot. It's um, a great board. When I was in college, we used this, the studio we worked in, um, it had a, like a 64 channel, um, Neve. Hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard that brand. It's hmm. not, it's, I mean, it's, this thing was the size of a couch. It was analog, the whole thing, everything. Yeah. I mean, so every channel had its own, um, its own, you know, strip, its own preamps that went in and out plug and play. And it was incredible. I love, because I learned on analog, I love analog in understanding the signal flow. That's one of the things I don't like about some digital mixers is they put so much stuff in the computer head that it can be hard to navigate. That's, I would say another selling point for the um, M32 for me was that it looks very more like analog, Mm -hmm. but Allen and Heath, they do a fantastic job of giving you a digital board, but feels like it's an analog board. And I love that. Like that, that alone made me consider getting one of those when we were looking for them because I just sure. loved how they looked. Yeah. I mean, I, I highly recommend it if you have the budget because they are a little bit more than the M32, but right. um, the technology is newer. Um, you're at 96K. I mean, there's some things going on in there. You know, again, if you have the budget, I'd recommend it only for the reason that it's, I shouldn't say only, but it's another great console. You're You're getting a kind of one generation newer without jumping into that even mid-level tier, never mind high level. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's only a handful of churches that are truly at that high, high level of, 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 uh, mixers. But, um, but I think there's a lot that are kind of up at that mid-level just, I think a lot of times just cause they need the channel count, not so much because mm-hmm. they, you know, they need whatever's going on. I mean, I think most churches could make a, an M32 or an SQ5 work, but mm-hmm. they're just, they're doing that much more production. They have that much more going on. It's like, Hey, I can't, I can't live off 40 channels. And, and I totally get that. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, so Alan and Heath, they have the SQ and then they have the Avantis before they get up to the D live. Um, so that Avantis is kind of, you know, that, that upper mid tier, um, similar to the wing. I forget how many channels the wing has, but it is that, that's that jump up from the X and M32. Right. Um, although I don't know that Midas has a wing. I don't know if that's to follow, but. Um, I have no idea. Anyway, but I feel like we can I talk think about that's incumbent on us as as the worship leader to cast that vision like ahead of time, like see down the road. Okay, mm. this is this is starting to not be enough. So then you can go to your to your board, to your trustees, to your lead pastor, and make sure that they're on board and they see the value in this. Like this right. is going to be a long term investment. So let's start putting some money aside now. You know, it's not written sure. into our budget. This is like a one-time purchase, but we want to invest in this where it's going to last. You know, right. yes. uh, one of the issues with us when when we went to do live streaming is we didn't have, you know, that budget built in when the shutdown happened. So we're, we're here piecing stuff together and, and seeing how cheap we can get stuff out as quickly as we can and plugging this in and, and this in and this in. Where, you know, now two years, two or three years, wow, it's already three years after that, um, you know, we're running into issues where what we had first installed was not the greatest quality. And now mm -hmm. that's starting to, to break down and we're going to have to replace those pieces. Uh, whereas if, you know, we had purchased better equipment that might have lasted longer and served us better. In the long run, right. I mean, even before the the pandemic, um, you know, we used to use just double A batteries in everything, you know. And then after two years of doing that, I was like, wait, why are we doing this? Let's let's get rechargeable batteries, sure. and yes. and you know, a bit save, more up front, save but... that money. Yeah, it's a little bit more upfront, but you know, we're we've been using these for like four years now, and it's just. They're incredible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're game changers yeah, for sure. Yeah, we use the yeah. Eneloop Pro at our nice. church. Yeah, I mean, I think that ties into the next question. But yeah, I just want to follow that up, Sam, with um, that managing expectations for your elder board, your pastor, you know, um, whoever's making those yet, you know, yes/no decisions on the expenses. Because in my experience, we had to replace a, a system that was nearing twenty-five years old. And, you know, the question is always, okay, well, you know, is this system going to last us? They're basically, like, oh, we want whatever's going to last us 25 more years. And I kind of say, well, that that doesn't happen now. Like, you got to be up front and say, we're not gonna, probably not going to get 25. We're going to get 25 years out of some of these pieces. But, um, you know, and, and we updated that system. It was five years ago now. We did a complete overhaul of the system at the beginning of this year. Um, basically said, Hey, it's been five years. Here are a handful of things we should do to maintain the quality and the life of our system. Mm. Um, something, you know, simple things like, Hey, we should just retune the room. You know, we've done it a couple of times since we put the system in, but it's been a while. Um, you know, we've just got to have it. Things get tweaked over time. We just got to have, you know, have it come in and reset so that, you know, people are, Hey, you know, we, we never used to have feedback on the lapel mic. Why do we have feedback on the, well, you know, things get tweaked and, and drift for lack of a better term over time. But yeah, I think managing the expectation of saying, you know, this console is, is brand new. 
uh, will we get 25 years out of it? Possibly, but I think we can only expect 12 to 15 because that's probably how long the manufacturer is going to support it. Um, mm-hmm. So let's you know make that investment. And if in 15 years we're still using it, still working great, and it's still supported by the manufacturer, great. We don't need mm-hmm. to you know we don't need to to buy a new one right now if it's doing everything we need it to do. But um, but yeah, I think being clear up front of this is what the lifespan is of this product. So, um, yeah, I thought we'd end with some, I hope to give our listeners some takeaways. What are some best practices or, you know, money saving hacks that you've come up with, um, things that you look for, things that you do on your own. Um, I mean, say I'm like your, your point of rechargeable versus, you know, disposable batteries, a little bit more money up front saving a lot of money in the long term but obviously church budgets are generally tight you know if you're at a church or your budget isn't tight god bless you literally um <laughs> yeah you know, but i i think most of us are operating from a place of we can't just spend every dollar we want um so what are, what are some things that you guys have learned over the years to you know stretch those dollars when you got some some takeaway tips for our listeners uh, yeah. So a couple of, uh, I'm trying to keep it brief cause I'm long winded. Um, so some of the websites that I like to use, I think eBay is great for finding some good deals. Reverb, uh, is a great website where you can buy used audio gear, uh, musical equipment for the most part. Another website I like to use is called Mercari. If you haven't heard of Mercari, uh, it's similar to Facebook Marketplace, except it's its own website. And so people will sell used things. Now, it's not just for music or audio and stuff like that. It's for whatever. But you can find equipment. I've actually gotten some really good deals. on. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of a tour box. It's like a little USB controller. Um, pretty much it's got, I could show you visually, but I know that the viewers, uh, the listeners can't see it. It's, it's a USB device that has tons of buttons and knobs and whatever else. And it can be almost your left hand. So you don't need uh, a keyboard when you're doing editing or any sort of stuff like that. I mean, I got, I got it for like a hundred dollars cheaper than what it's worth on Mercari. So Is that like a stream that's deck? A great, um, no, well, it's just a USB controller that you can map. You can map all the buttons to. So think of it. I mean, a stream deck has, it's similar because it's got actual, you know, all of like buttons on it that you could map out. Whereas this has physical tactile buttons that are different shapes, different sizes and knobs and stuff so that you can map them to do different things. And in conjunction with each other, almost, it almost looks like a convoluted video game controller that you would use. Yeah. I I love it. And I use it when I'm doing video editing, audio editing, whatever. I'll keep this other ones short. So like I said before, read your manuals, know how your equipment works, because that's going to be a great budget saver. Your equipment may do something that you don't even realize it can do, and Mm -hmm. you don't need to make an unnecessary purchase for something that you can already do. Um, Have a relationship with churches and businesses around you and be aware when they're upgrading their equipment. 
So one of the things that I have run into success wise is maybe the school is getting a new sound system or this place or that place. And then they'll sell some of their stuff that would be older to them, but would be new to you. And you can get it at a discounted price to do just a little bit extra. That's a great way to just be like, oh, hey, I mean, I've had churches make huge upgrades and then say, hey, we've got some stuff. We're not using it. If you want it, you can have it. I mean, it's incredible. And I'm not expe- I'm not saying expect people are going to give you stuff for free. But you could at least get it for probably cheaper that way. And then uh, more recently, the thing that's been super helpful to me is learn how to make your own cables. I know that sounds ridiculous and it sounds like it wouldn't be related, but I have saved so much money by making my own cables for certain things that I would need. Mm -hmm. Um, Anything from XLR cables, quarter inch cables, there's a lot that are very easy to make. And you don't need very much equipment, maybe a soldering iron, maybe you need a crimper tool. But like right now I'm doing a rewiring of our video outputs so that I can do some new stuff with how we're displaying on the screens and to the live stream. And I needed probably four or five 10 foot SDI cables. And when I went on Amazon, you know, they're like $15 a piece for those. So I'd be paying 60 or $75 to get these cables that I need. Instead, I bought a 200 foot spool of 3G, uh, RG6, whatever SDI cable. And I bought a pack of 25 connectors and it cost me 40 bucks. And so now I can make, so many more kit now it's not going to work for everyone, but that's one of the biggest budget savers. I've saved our church hundreds of dollars by buying really long cable, the connectors and just making them myself and making custom cables. Nice. Well, it's cleaner too. If you can make your cables, the length you need. Yeah. Uh, cable management is, uh, you make them the length you need and that allows you to know how to repair them. So when sure. you're talking about saving money, if one goes wrong, I spent another $40 on a cable tester and it does like 25 different types of cables. Incredible. You plug your cable in and test it and you know that it works. And if there's something wrong, you can see where it's wrong. And now you have the ability to fix your cables that don't work instead of having to spend any, uh, any advice, any money saving tips. Yeah. I mean, the first one comes with a caveat, uh, musicians friend. I know they are not the Mm. preferred vendor for, uh, worship leaders but uh, also not a sponsor of the pod but i'm giving a shout out um they have their stupid deal of the day guitar center who is owned by the same parrot company um they have a similar thing join their mailing list i know nobody likes spam but you know every day you get an email with their stupid deal of the day and often i think it's stupid gear you know it's stuff like all right whatever um i don't need a seventh distortion pedal um but i've seen things <laughs> <You> like <don't? laughs> no probably not um <laughs> I've seen things like uh, DR Pro mic stands, which I think is one of the better value mic stands out there. It's, um, you know, sure, you can certainly buy better stands. I'm not saying it's the best, but um, they hold up really well. I use those um, for some light touring that I do. They hold up really, really well. Um, Yeah, I've seen, trying to think of what else I've seen, Hercules guitar stands, you know, um, again, guitar stands, you might not think uh, we can get a, a $10 one. Man, if you have a player put their two thousand dollar guitar down and that thing mm. breaks on you, who you know, who's <sighs> responsible for it? Um, 
you know, so look for those deals. Don't just buy everything because it was on there, but like, hey, if it's something we need, like, you know, we got junky old guitar stands. Um, now that one was just on like two days ago. So it'll probably be, depending on when you're listening to this, it might not show up for a while, but good deals yeah. do show up. So if you have some discretionary spending in your budget, um, keep an eye out for those. Can I add something to that real yep. quick? I have an amazing life hack that goes with that. It's very quick and it's a twofold blessing. Make a spam email account, mm. create an email account to sign up for those things so that it doesn't fill your inbox. I have one specifically. It's like, essentially it's like my name and it has signups in the name at gmail.com or something like that. And I use it so that I can do stuff like that. And then every so often I can go over and check and see all this stuff and it's not flooding my main inbox. So that's blessing. Number one, blessing. Number two, it's so funny. If you go out to a store somewhere, I was at a store, I won't say which one, but it rhymes with bold gravy. And when we were going to check out, they were adamant that you have to have an email address in order to check out to do whatever. And when you give them an email address that has signups in the name and they know what you're doing is not going to be looking at their newsletters, their faces are priceless. (laughs) (laughs) If you're like samkraut.signups at gmail.com and they're just like, all right, guy, whatever. <laughs> no, I never come back. Yeah, that's, I've heard that from yeah. other people. And yeah, I, I keep regretting that I, I never did that. Um, similar to TJ's, but I'm, I'm maybe not as handy. But also, you know, I was being bivocational. Um, you know, time was there was a premium for me. But if you're not going to make your own cables, buy them from Sweetwater. Buy the Sweetwater brand because they come yes. with a lifetime guarantee. And I have used that. And I've used that really? on older cables. Yep. Um, sometimes I want it back. Sometimes I don't. I think in 15 years, I think I maybe had them replace three cables. Um, wow. So it doesn't happen often. But if it's their cable because it's got their sleeve on it, you know, um, they either usually they want it back, I think, but they send you a label for it. Um, and then, yeah, I think that's just how they keep people honest. So they're, you're not just getting, wow. I did not cable. know they did that. That's incredible. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think that's a great deal. So I think, but you know, 90, at this point, 90% of the cables at the church are Sweetwater cables for that reason. Um, again, none of these are sponsors, but I think they're cool things. Uh, repurpose gear. There's a company called church gear, which I just thought of, as you were mentioning the TJ does kind of what that um, TJ was mentioning, but on a, a national level, um, go check them out. Churchgear.net, I believe, is their website. Mm. And they buy gear from churches who are doing upgrades to their sound system. They'll come out and buy it and then they resell it. So um, if you have gear to sell or you need to buy gear, you could definitely check them out and see what they have. And their inventory is always changing because it's based on what churches are getting rid of. Last one, I'm a big fan of SE mics, SE, just the letter S, the letter E microphones. Um, I will say a caveat with this. I've heard mixed reviews on their wireless capsules. I don't have any experience with them, but I know, I know, I don't know them, but pro level tour guys aren't in love with their wireless capsules. So take that for what it's worth. But I've, I've had great experience with their wired mics great value i think their sev7 which i think now is 110 dollars um for me at least i know vocal mics are somewhat um specific to the person but i think it outperforms the beta 58 which i think is at 170 so you're saving 60 bucks per mic plus i don't have meant to have it here and i forgot to grab it um the the screen has a hexagonal or octagonal ring on it 
that when you set it down, it doesn't roll. One of the coolest little Whoa. features on it. Oh, um, but I that's know genius. Now with a shore mic, that doesn't matter because you can drop that thing off a cliff <laughs> and it will work just fine. <laughs> that's but true. Other manufacturers, you, you know, you're not so shore. lucky. Exactly, <laughs> and people have. Um, so, uh, but yeah, SEV7, um, if that's out of your budget, even they have a V3, I believe is the, the, the lower scale model. And if it performs half as good as the V7, it's just as good as an SM58 and for 40 bucks cheaper per mic. Um, wow. and you know, they have drum mics, they have overheads, they, you know, they've got a, a good selection and they have some pretty high end mics too. So if you look at their, you know, look at some of their expensive ones, you're thinking these aren't a good value. They do make some pretty serious uh, stuff, but a lot of their, yeah, a lot of their lower cost microphones are, I think, phenomenal value from my personal experience. So those are my tips. Sam. Nice. Um, while we were talking, you know, we we're talking about gear and investing in gear, but kind of to TJ's point, like as far as reading the manuals and, and getting as much out of them as you can, we need to be investing in our people. We need to invest in their research, in their training so that they can know how to run these things to their fullest capacity. We need to be investing in our singers so that they have good sound quality coming out into these microphones, into these preamps, into these PAs. If you start with a signal source that's poor quality, that's just going to get amplified through this really nice right. mic, through this really nice, you know, soundboard, through this really nice PA system. So invest in your people, invest in, you know, making sure that your guitarists are tuned uh, before, before actually oh. playing, you know. Yeah. Um, there you go. So we can get, I like that. I like that advice. I'm going to go to my singers on Sunday morning and I'm going to say, I'll give you 20 bucks to sing better. <laughs> That's one way of doing it. That's one way of doing it. Yeah. I, no, I mean, they, uh, we actually have wonderful singers and they would probably laugh at me. Right. Right. I'm just saying <laughs> generally, I'm me. not saying our singers specifically or, or anything. I'm just saying, um, all of your team. Yeah. yeah All of sure. your team are as much right. of a resource yep. as any of the equipment you have. And the equipment's only as good as the people who are able to run right. it. Right. right. Absolutely. So, like a good resource for singers is, and the whole band really is multi-tracks. They have something that we use called rehearsal mix, where you can hear that instruments part or that vocalist part um, through the planning center app. It, it mm -hmm. joins with oh, planning wow. center. Um, it's, you know, it's a subscription fee, so you're, you're investing in it, but that's really helped our, our instruments and our vocalists to learn their parts better. Um, you know, I mentioned before the rechargeable batteries, uh, that's saved us a lot in the past. And then as far as, um, in-ears, like I know we could have a whole episode on in-ears, in but really quick, I just want to, you know, shout out to KZ brand that, uh, mm -hmm. we found on Amazon. And two, our church has its own Amazon account, so we qualify for business discounts. If if your church can do that, mm. I'd, I'd recommend doing that. Uh, but the KZ brand of in-ears are very budget-friendly. They go anywhere from like $18 for the um, introductory in-ears. Two drivers. Yep. And they go all the way up to, you know, 150 or whatever, which is kind of the starting point for some of these other brands. 
Um, yeah. but all of, all of my band, I was able to invest with, with KZ around the $30 tier. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's not top quality, but it's good enough for us. So those would be my recommendations. Yeah. I think it's a great place, especially if you're starting out with in-ears. Yeah. It's definitely lowered the barrier of entry and they're, they're not, they're really not bad. I don't think they quite have the longevity of some of the, the names. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think, and I think we will do an episode on that someday, Sam. I think that's a good idea. Woohoo. Good job. Good job, Sam. All right. Well, TJ, <laughs> um, Hey, it's been, uh, it's been a blast hanging out with you and talking about this. Thank hopefully, you. um, I know I learned a couple of things. Hopefully our, our listeners did as well. Um, but do you have a couple quick last minute questions? Um, what is the best worship leading advice you've ever heard? Mm. Uh, that probably the, the, the worship leading is everything that you're doing, meaning not just the music that you're playing or the singing, but it's your, uh, body language. It's your passion. Um, people will react. People are going to feel comfortable worshiping if you are comfortable worshiping. Hmm. That's something that somebody told me and it changed the way that I approach worship on Sunday morning. It doesn't matter how good we play the song. There's nothing wrong with having good production. But if you're not worshiping and your whole team is not worshiping, because you're not the only worship leader, everyone up there, anyone on that platform is leading. Um, if they don't feel comfortable worshiping, then the congregation is going to feel like something's off. And so um, one of the things that we've done a couple times, we turn the, all the lights off and we'll do a song in like minimal lighting. We can't even see each other. The lights come on and people are in tears because they worshiped as if no one was watching. And then we do it again with the lights on. And it changes the way you interact as a group. And so then you practice at rehearsal, you worship at rehearsal. Like what you're doing is you're practicing, but you're worshiping. Mm. When Sunday comes around, you're so comfortable as a group um, to be free and open in your belief and in your worship of God that the congregation feels that. And then they will feel like they can be comfortable worshiping. That's one of the most powerful things that's helped me. Nice. Awesome. All right, then our last question, my friend. Are you Team Sloppy or Team Unforeseen? I am Team Sloppy all the way. All right. All the way. Oh, wait, have you you guys ever uh, told people what you are team-wise, or do you just keep that so that it's got to be like on the down low? That's up to our guests. (laughs) Oh, I see, I see. I see. So this is this has been a sloppy episode of of the show. <laughs> yes, but also unforeseen. So yes, <laughs> I did not see that coming. All right. Well, uh, TJ, thank you so much. Um, if people want to connect with you, is there a place that they can uh, do that? Is it uh, TJ dot sign up at? <laughs> uh, actually, uh, there aren't many TJ Grimbowskis, and so. Uh, you could type my name into anything and find me really gotcha. easily. But I mean, a couple of specific places. I do have a Facebook page for my music. I have an album coming out soon nice. um, that I've been, I just released an album last year that Sam has kept me on track and I took a long time to come out with. It's a, it's a chip tune album. And so it's, uh, I took some worship songs and I made them what they would sound like if you heard them on like a super Nintendo or something like that. So that was a lot of fun. That's called insert, insert coin Aenea. 
and it's on Spotify. I've got a couple songs on Spotify. I got a Christmas song called Firstborn that's been up for a couple years. Um, but I have a new album coming out. Hopefully in the next year is the goal. Uh, actually, I have a baby coming in July, so I'm hoping to have the album up before she comes nice. uh, so that that doesn't get put on the back burner. Uh, but yeah, you can go on Spotify, find me on there. YouTube, I've got a channel. TikTok, I have a dumb amount of followers. Like It's actually <laughs> kind of ridiculous because it's unhinged stuff that I make there. Uh, but you could find me on any of those, Instagram, any social media platform for the most part. If you type right. in TJ Grimbowski, uh, you can find me. I think I have a link tree too that has all those, but who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys awesome. for having me though. Absolutely. It's been really great. Thank Thanks. you, it's TJ. pleasure was ours. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Sloppy and Unforeseen podcast. We had such a great time with this episode, and we hope that you'll follow us and that you'll leave us a, a kind review. That would be really great. And yeah, if you uh, want to reach out to us, send us your questions, send us your podcast topic ideas. You can reach out to us at sloppyunforeseen, all one word, at gmail.com, or hit us up on Instagram, send us a DM. We'd love to hear from you. Let us know what you thought of the episode. Hey, until next time, uh, stay sloppy and unforeseen, my friends. Bye. <laughs>